alibi. Origin late 17th century as an adverb in the sense of elsewhere, from Latin elsewhere. The noun use dates to the late 18th century. Elsewhere is where I live and where I travel. Through the gloom and between the moments, I visit places, people, and occasionally things. I listen to their dreams, their desires, and I keep their secrets. And yes, sometimes I am their excuse. Hello and welcome. It is Monday, March 9th, Moon Day, a day for workings focused on the feminine, fertility, marriage, psychic and spiritual work. It is also the night of the full storm moon in Virgo, the moon of order and safety, writing, truth, healing, and problem-solving. The presiding demon is Prince Stolas, teacher of astronomy, herb lore, lithomancy, and the magical properties of precious stones. While the full moon of March coincides with time change, for those of you that participate in the states, tonight the clocks move forward one hour. We are 12 days away from the vernal equinox, but the crone energy is hanging on. It may be because winter was slightly stunted this year and not allowed to fully develop. It's made things a bit emotional. The crone in her protective state, and in turn, my thoughts turn to spiritual work. And in my workings, I recall a young man I met while I was last in New Orleans. He saw me as I crossed Decatur at St. Peter. There were others watching, and they would stare, but my glance in their direction and they would quickly lower their eyes, nervously fidget and act like children getting caught doing something they shouldn't. Amusing behavior, considering the sun had long since set, and this crowd was reputed to be edgier. He was different. I could feel his silent plea for attention. He was curious, lonely, and he felt a kinship with me. He wasn't afraid, but interested. But under those superficial desires were deeper needs. He had set up his table the farthest away from what I refer to as Jackson Square Central, which is right in front of St. Louis and the Cabildo, and very close to Decatur. I grinned inwardly. He was clever. This was a particularly positive trait to possess, since he was also totally alone. You don't work the quarter alone at night for very long if you're stupid. The two are mutually exclusive. I gave him a moment as I walked a couple more steps, then looked directly at him. At first, he returned my look, nothing more. Then it changed to that of a young boy sitting in a class and surprised to find the teacher talking about a subject he was actually interested in. As I continued to walk, 
I kept eye contact until he broke his silence and hollered, How you doing? At this I dropped my gaze as I grinned, answered him, and asked him the same. The ice was broken, and his reply was warm and honest, and followed by an invitation to come over. As I kept walking toward my destination, I explained that I was in need of food since I had yet to eat that day, a truth compounded by the fact that it was getting late and one of the few establishments that would serve my kind and shall remain nameless as to prevent damaging their business reputation would be closing soon. He sank a bit physically, but extended the invitation again this time for after I had supped. I assured him that I would if he was still there. Fortunately, I did make my destination before it closed and was thankfully nourished. Afterwards, I was anxious to explore the Vu Carre after such an extended absence, but I could not forget about the clever but needy one who probably was waiting. So instead, I turned toward Jackson Square to see if he still remained. As expected, he was there, and he saw me approach. I could see him visibly relax as he sat back in his chair with a smile. I was worried you forgot and weren't coming back, he said, as I got conversationally close. No, just needed sustenance, I said as I came to a stop behind the empty chair across the table from him. His smile weakened as a wide-eyed, exhausted look slid into its place. Well, I'm glad you didn't. I smiled softly, then gestured at his table. What you got going here? He looked down and sat back a bit from the table, as if it had suddenly appeared there out of thin air. Then he looked back up at me for a second, gestured to the empty chair, and asked me to sit. After I was seated, he explained what he had to offer. His blue fingernail-tipped hands gesturing over the surface of the table excitedly. We bartered a deal, and he began. My attention was split between the candle that flickered to my right and his chipping blue polish. It was a cobalt blue with a metallic sheen. I found it endearing, but so painfully honest and revealing that I had a strong desire to tell him to stop, pack up, and keep his hands hidden in his pockets as he walked to where he would stay the night. As he began his consultation, I paid minimal attention to what he was saying. I was well acquainted with the shapes and meanings. I wanted to talk about his lover that had hurt him, but that he still loved, the lover he had now in exchange for shelter off the streets, the self-medicating in which he would indulge after he left here and before he got to his sleeping place. I wanted to talk with the strong, sweet, sensitive, athletic, misunderstood and confused young man he had been and still was despite of his current situation. I wanted to tell him he didn't need to lie and give him a hug that had no strings attached other than to provide him with the touch of another being that understood how much he needed it. To follow through with any of these would have been a terrible mistake, of course, and would have only had a negative effect. As I've said before, answers gained through a psychic gift are never truly welcome and very much feared. 
So, with the end of his consultation and a few false starts on his part, I begrudgingly bid him good night and departed. I took care to prevent any of my thoughts from accidentally transferring or making connection with him, which can easily happen when emotions become involved. Not even when I remitted compensation for his consultation did we ever touch. However, his presence and his suffering lingered with me long past that night. And as I talk here of our acquaintance, I offer up my care and regard in hopes that they will find the guides and souls that are close to him and communicate to him much better than I ever could have in those moments. Adieu, June Gallier. Somewhere between the mundane and the mysterious, the privileged and the primitive, the divine and the damned is the alibi tent. <laughs>